Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah, get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to MB. Going on, everybody. This is the feed to MB. I am your host, as always, along with my man Brock Landis. Brock, I, I see you've been lifting today a little bit. The shirt yeah, that, I had to get a uh, small. The shirt looks small. Does it? You yeah. know, I did it last podcast episode. I've been getting some comments about it, but I pulled my shirts out and I proved to everybody that they're largest. So unfortunately, uh, until I get some ad revenue or, or, or some donations from the live streams, I'm going to keep rocking with the L's. Um, but otherwise, I had to get a pre-feed to Embiid workout in. You're right, Austin. <laughs> um, but but this is this is the entree of my day today. Uh, so let's get the podcast rolling. Right. <laughs> I feel you. So this team, they are seven and three. I believe the last time we talked, they were what uh, two and one. Must have been two and one. Um, so, yeah. And it's it's been quite well now because then that would have put them at. I, I forget. Doesn't matter. Anyway, um, so. Here we are, seven. Here they are, seven and three. And you know, given what's happened over these last couple of days since Thursday, um, you, you kind of have to thank God that, that they started out seven and one because what they're, what they're teetering on right now is losing a lot of that hot start because of, because of this COVID stuff. Well, I think you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Um, you can't really say it's too early to gauge sample sizes. And then at the same time, by the 10th, 11th and 12th game, say that the Sixers are starting to fizzle. Um, because it's this early, That's my- not from your, not, not from you individually, but, right. but in general, the fan base, I've seen a lot of negativity and negativity follows. And like, I've had an interaction with a few people today. Like I've said, uh, a lot of stuff is also media driven. There's situations that may be misrepresented or the media wants to drive these these narratives. And uh, it's it's to appeal to the mob and the mob runs with it. So I think you need to really take a step back if you're a Sixers fan and kind of evaluate this season with all of the context. Right. A lack of practice. There's back to backs and Joel Embiid's playing in the back to backs for the first time in a little while. And this is also basketball in a pandemic. Now, if this game against Denver never happened, I think people probably talk about Philadelphia a little differently still. Uh, but the fact that this game happened, I think that both the national media and people on Twitter are being a little disrespectful and saying that the hot start was for nothing. Look at who they've played. Uh, but ultimately, you can only play who's on your schedule. And the Sixers don't dictate who's on their schedule. But what they did do was beat the teams they should be beating handily. And – to this point, they've they've pretty much executed everything they've had to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I wholeheartedly think that that <clears throat> like strength of schedule argument is merely something that fans are going to use in the ways that benefit them only. Like, there's never going to be an objective usage of that uh, of that argument. Like, people who are anti a certain team are going to say like, oh, their schedule is garbage. They're they're bullshit. Um, and if you're, and if it's, if, if you're a fan of the team, you're going to say, we played who was in front of us. We beat who was in yeah. front of us. Yeah, and I right. think 
and 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 I think honestly, like you control what you can you control what you can control in in, mm-hmm. in this sport in any sport across all sports. It it doesn't matter who gets hurt or who in this case gets the virus or whose wife has a baby when they have it. Um, you know, y- you play the product that's in front of you and you play to win the game. There's the, you, you can't control the noise. Um, and so I, I, I think that they have taken care of business in large part so far. Um, now by the same token, when you win those games shorthandedly, that counts a little more than a than than a win when you're full strength, I think, because it's a testament to the 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 professionalism you have backing up your starting unit. Like when you had Tyrese Maxey dropping thirty nine, mm-hmm. like if, if they win that game yesterday, you have to sit there and think like Denver's at full strength. That they should have won that game. The Sixers won this game somehow. Maybe it's something we have to look into. Maybe this isn't just like a fluke that they win this game. Maybe that there, there's something more tangible there. Because a lot of teams, especially in that context where you're literally suiting up seven guys, eight guys, and you're playing guys 44 minutes I've never seen a court before. Um, crazy. It's crazy they play in Austin. There, 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 there's got to there's be some there, – there, if you win that game yesterday, that's not a normal win. That, that, that win, I think, holds a little bit more weight, I think. Um but if Denver loses, it's a it's a more painful loss than it would be if they won. Um, yeah, I agree. And at the same time, you look at what Philadelphia was rolling out, and again, you have to take into context the situation. Uh, no Ben Simmons, no Shake Milton, no Joel Embiid. A couple of them due to injury. A couple of them due to the the health and safety protocol. But uh, losing four or, or even more than that. I was going to say four out of five starters, but losing integral pieces on the second unit too prior to tip-off is never, never going to help a team out, let alone you've got a player shooting 62% from three who has COVID. You don't know who on the team has COVID. you got to deal with all this rapid testing. And all of this is happening within a three-day span. So there's all of that. Now you've got Denver, who's in Philadelphia, also has a player sitting out due to the health and safety protocol and the Sixers probably didn't even know they were playing until what, two, three hours before tip. And even that you've got reports saying that the conversations about the game are still fluid. Now you've got Mike Scott suiting up just to be an eighth man. So they're eligible to play, but he wasn't going to see the floor. And then Ben Simmons has this knee swelling pop up. So I think given the context, um, sure. Philadelphia went out and (laughs) Philadelphia went out and battled and, and Tyrese Maxey balled out and, and put the league on notice. But at the same time, I wasn't looking for a win or a loss. I didn't even think the game should have been played. And that's what Doc Rivers said too. And now tonight, the fact that the Boston and Miami game was postponed just reinforces my thought process there. You've got seven, eight guys on a 15-man roster, and there's just too much to think about to play a game. Uh, the COVID on your team – if you give it to the other team, if the other team has it, there's just too much to worry about. So I wasn't worrying about uh, wins or losses yesterday, uh, more so about the health and safety of everybody on the floor. So I'm, I'm hoping everybody's all right. For sure. And just a reminder, we are recording live. Uh, ad, uh, uh, sponsored, brought to you by Painted Line, sponsored by the King Cobra. Brock will read you that ad later. Yeah, uh, he will. Yeah. <laughs> um, and another reminder, because apparently we have some revenue now. Um, keep in mind, we, we do appreciate any kind of tips or any kind of, you know, a, a, any kind of donations you're willing to, to impart. We do appreciate. Maybe I can go get some Chick-fil-A later this week with that money. I'm a big Chick-fil-A guy. So um, <clears throat> now uh, Celia M says, that's Philly Brock. The radio in this town makes money by spreading the reactionary, the, the by spreading reactionary nonsense. He's screaming about Ben regressing, but don't cite the fact he's coming off major surgery. I don't. I don't know that that's true. Uh, I don't think that that whatever happened to him last year was was quite as serious as it was made out to be. I think it was a lot. A lot of. Well, I mean, he had like a. Like, you told like, me it was going to affect his whole career. He needs to get surgery. You and I both know what I was talking about. <laughs> We've had that conversation the behind. Back, yeah, we back. can't. We, I can't. I can't say in the public public air what what it, what I'm talking <laughs> about, but. Um, the, the knee part was not as concerning to me as 
another another thing that's been ailing him, or and then and that also ailed him last year. Um, <clears throat> but I think that the knee in the bubble was a largely like, yeah, this hurts, but like, what's the real benefit of me coming back? We're not going to win this, you know. That that, that that I think that was a, a lot at hand as well in the bubble. But I think like there has been offensive regression from Ben Simmons. There, 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 there's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, but also like just sort of, sort of uh, scanning the, the the people who are close with Ben. Um, I, I think the way that he's being used is something that they like. Um, and they like him as sort of this like not big Ben Roethlisberger, but maybe like a Patrick Mahomes of the offense, or you're just quarter or you're just quarterbacking it. And I'm not saying Ben's like the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But I am I am saying that like like they like him as the the Swiss Army knife pseudo star type guy that that, that he's being used as right now. Um, Aram says first time using dark mode. I hope that goes well for you, Aram. Let us let us know. Um, and he says, at least now you know your best players won't get ruled out during the playoffs since they're since they they got immunity. I was thinking about that between that and, and vaccines. I mean, it's it's a safe bet they'll be good to play if if nothing gets postponed, right? I don't know about that because my cousins are, are like doctors and nurses, and mm. that they seem to think that there are some like recurrences of it. Okay. So- so, so even so, if you have the antibodies, you could. So I, 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 I don't know. I'm not. I'm not comfortable enough to make that to, to just assume. That's, that that's fair. Okay. That's fair. Um, um, maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Who knows? But um, I guess that's a that's a that's a glass half full way of looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think just sort of looking around the league and and, and texting with some some agents um, who I've had the privilege of getting to know, there is some sentiment that that there should be a suspension in this season and that there it that there should be. A pause while things all get sorted out. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, who is far, far, far more credible than I am, um, comes out tonight and says the league doesn't plan on canceling any, doesn't plan on any kind of suspension or canceling anything. In other words, sorry, but you're shit out of luck. Um, well, it, it, here's really what it comes down to, right? There's two sides of the coin. There's the human side and the political, the the monetary side. Now. What I think is that Adam Silver is – you praise Adam Silver and everything the NBA did for the NBA bubble. You've got to remember, the NBA bubble was specifically for a playoffs. They played eight games prior to the bubble to fulfill the regional sports network deals, to hit that, I believe it was 72-game benchmark, so they all fulfilled their TV deals. And the TV deals are one of the most lucrative things teams can sign. So that's where they generate a ton of their revenue. So they play that eight-game span, and then they go into the playoffs. And the reason the bubble worked was because they were doing it, the playoffs, as if it was like an AAU tournament. You're here for business, and then you could go home. The problem is if you have a 72-game season, it's tough to throw guys into a bubble for two months, let alone the span of an entire season plus the playoffs. You take guys away from their family their friends, their routine, and it's just a really foreign concept. So as much praise as the NBA gets for the NBA bubble, a lot of people have been criticizing them for this season and some of their decision-making and letting teams play and letting players clear. But really what it comes down to is this. You could look at the human side or the political side, the monetary side. And Adam Silver and the NBA probably saw the model that the MLS is using, that the NFL is using, and they're trying to make as much money as they possibly can. They're trying to generate as much revenue through TV deals as they possibly can. They're already losing, I believe it was like 40% of their total revenue because they don't have fans at the stadiums. So you're losing merchandise sales there, ticket sales, fans in arena. You lose all of that. You got to make the money up somewhere. The players have to get their contracts paid for somewhere. So I think the NBA is seeing what the NFL is doing and other sports leagues, and they're going to say, you're going to play. And we'll postpone games if we have to, but it's not fair to postpone games to the opposing team if they did everything right. It's not fair to make them travel and postpone games. So 
we'll isolate the people that have COVID or the super spreaders and we'll keep them isolated until it's safe for them to return. But otherwise we're going to go on completely normally because that's what the NFL did. And that's what these other sports leagues did. And as much as you feel for the athletes, for the human side, because it is really a risk, it's, it's a huge risk for everybody's health. Um, the NBA is a business ultimately it's, it's entertainment. It's a business. So they're trying to generate as much revenue as they possibly can. And because of that, it's going to get really messy. You've already got the Western Conference having players with COVID, and now it's over in the Eastern Conference too. So it's in both conferences. Uh, there's players on, on starting lineups, on second units. There's coaches, there's staff. So I think what you're going to see is exactly what you saw in the NFL. They'll close facilities if they'll have to. Players will have to isolate. But otherwise, the show's going to go on. Yeah, I agree. I think the NFL's model – gave the NBA confidence that they could do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think it, the factor that we're not really considering is that um, a lot of the NFL games are played outdoors with, 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 some, with some level of weather yeah, and wind. So I think that that can kind of help um, a lot of cases, and maybe there would be more if all games were indoors with no air movement and that kind of thing. Um, but I do think that gave them confidence for sure. Um Steely Am says, I think they should pause a month and restart the bubble. Um, I think that's a very unrealistic and unviable uh, possibility, to be honest. I think the NBA wants to present an environment that's as normal uh, for fans and, and, and as normal, well, not, not for fans, uh, but as normal for the players and the product as possible because if the players feel uncomfortable, if they're not being, they're not, if they're, not, if they're, they're all, you know, held up in a room for, for, for however many hours a day, you're going to have mental health stuff. Um, you're you're going to have guys that are going to be uncomfortable after a while. The guys that, you know, they need their, and I'm not saying this like sarcastically or condescendingly, but they, they, they do need their tempurpedic beds. They do need their, you know, their, their, their heating pads that they have at home. Some of them have, have, have custom made setups that are better for their bodies and I think that's going to be better for the product um, if they're able to to live in their normal situation as much as possible. Now there is also responsibility there. Um, and, and, and my and my my dad keeps saying like I want to know how Curry got it. I want to know how Curry got it. My dad thinks that I because I cover the Sixers on the beat that I have like some sort of majestic like like uh, like window into the players' lives and I know everything. I don't. Um, but I, my 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 point would to that would be. How about the how about the fact that there are false positives and false negatives in some of these tests? Like, like, like just because that's true, just because um, just because Curry tests positive doesn't mean that he was hanging out in the strip club with somebody. Like, no, like, no, of course not. But um, when did the Sixers play? It was Wednesday. Wednesday, they Wednesday, had, and then and apparently his his ankle was legitimately hurt, and then they tested him, and then the test came back during the game. They got him away from everybody and isolated him. And so then- who was the back-to-back? It was Washington and then Brooklyn? Yeah. yeah. So he plays in the Washington game. And after the game, they take a team bus to Brooklyn. And they're in Brooklyn. And then Curry tests positive. So he could have contracted it a day or two before. But there was only like a 10-hour window of time between the first game that he played in and the Brooklyn Nets game for him to go out and contract COVID and then test positive. So my theory is probably that he had it before and played in the game against Washington with COVID. But I don't know because they said the test came back and they pulled Curry off the bench. So maybe he did get it within that 10, 12, 14-hour time frame for the Brooklyn Nets game. But he played on Wednesday and the Sixers went to Brooklyn, I guess within two or three hours after that game concluded. So there really wasn't that large of a window of time for him to go out and get COVID. It, it was either within the organization or he got it a day or two before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I again, I, I think it's, I think it's very, very, very difficult to sort of trace this, but getting back to my point, um, cause I, I want to sort of walk this line carefully cause PR. And then of course um, I don't want to make any assumptions, but um, I, I think the players and the staffs have a very, you know, if, if you're going to be, 
given this privilege of, of being able to sort of live your, your normal lives and play outside of a bubble and have a functional season, you also got to be as responsible as you possibly can for yourselves and not, you know, when you're driving home at night, going to extra, we'll call them uh, activities and that kind of thing. And, you know, be as careful as you can, not just for yourselves and for your teammates, but for your families as well. And they, and then they understand all that. Um, it just, it just unfortunate that, that, that it happened in the midst of a, of a seven and one start. Um, it's also unfortunate that they had to lose the 20 game home winning streak. Um, and I mean, that game obviously counts towards the record and everything, but you, you can't objectively evaluate this team with that game in mind. Like you can't use that as, as, as an example of anything. Um, and if you do try to, you just, you're, you're anti team, which is, Fine, but it shows that it's not objective evaluation. Um, Cam Labarge, thanks for stopping by, Cam. Uh, I truly believe that the NBA will ultimately end up pausing for a month or so. I don't want that to happen, but it's it is what's right in my mind. The key, the, the operative phrasing there being what's right in your mind. Um, the, the NBA doesn't care about what's right in your mind. Unfortunately, they don't. Um, we all, a lot of people, know what the right thing to do is. The NBA cares about their dollars. And they have experts telling them, like, these are the risks you're weighing here. These are these are the risks that, like, that that, that you have to think about. You know, you you're th- th- this game is going to make you how much in revenue? The odds of this guy can you know having serious side effects at age 24 with with you know living away from his family not that significant. They're they're going to take all of those types of things into account. And so I, I think. You know what Woj says is pretty credible, and that's that they don't plan on any kind of stoppage right now. Um, I did find it to be absolute bullshit today that the Celtics and 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 Heat were able to cancel or postpone the game, but the Sixers, who were just physically able to suit up one more guy than than than, than the the Heat were, um, ended up having to play. That that was completely ludicrous and absolute bullshit. Yeah, that. I don't know if that's a double double standard. I do know that there was more players that tested positive on Boston than there was in Philadelphia. But regardless, COVID was within the organization uh, and amongst the players that were going to be on the court playing an opposing team. So it, it's really spreading throughout the NBA now. And I think that Adam Silver and his buddies, whoever is responsible for making these decisions, probably saw the outcry from Philadelphia fans and fans around the league as to letting Philadelphia play that game. So I think they, they, they were not going to be hesitant in calling this one off tonight. For sure. Um, just a little update. The Big Ben has done another interception. And Big Ben Browns going out sad. Going out. It's very sad. Going it's very out sad. sad. Um, and the Browns are, are – the Browns – I don't want to say the Browns are as depleted as Philadelphia was in their last game against Denver, but the Browns are without a lot. A couple of voices on the sidelines and – there were some players that were out with COVID protocol. So uh, Cleveland, to come out and, and apply that pressure against Pittsburgh, it was one of the best teams in the regular season. Uh, it's impressive. And, and Mark got the dub today too, which I'm happy about. Yeah, I, I got to say this. Um, usually when you have a team put out this hot um, in any kind of sport where they were 11 and out like the Steelers were, and then you lose three or four, and then you go out like this in a laugher in the first round of the playoffs, there's usually a, a, some sort of bombshell inside report on culture or that type of thing after that happened because it, something doesn't add up there. They start at 11 and 0, and then they do what? Then all of like their holes become unplugged, and everyone starts like taking advantage. I, I, I don't, I, I don't see where I, I don't see how it, something adds up there. Um, but I don't also, admittedly, I'm not a football guy to the extent <laughs> of an NBA guy, so I probably shouldn't talk. Yeah. Um, now. Um, Brock, Steely Am makes a very interesting point here. Would you guys agree that this team's success, particularly Joel and Ben's effectiveness, is reliant solely on if Seth Curry is on the court or not? Um, I would say that the fact that he wasn't a, a, a consistent starter in his previous de- destinations sort of underscored just how important he would be to this team. Uh, Seth Curry is extremely important to everything that they do on the offensive end of the court. Um, he makes Ben better. He makes Joel better. He makes Tobias better. He, he's, he's, been, um, he's been tremendous. 
Um, and so that he wasn't able to play on Thursday was just another just, – just one less guy in depth that they had, one less shooter they had. Um, and, you know, obviously everything kind of fell apart from there. But I, I think we can't under, under, uh, undersell the importance of Seth Curry to the 76ers. I think he's extremely important to everything they do. I don't think Joe's success relies solely on Seth Curry because if it did, Joe wouldn't be a legitimate MVP candidate. Joe's success relies solely on what he does in the half court, and Seth Curry's a part of it. But ultimately, the Sixers should be able to plug somebody in to Seth Curry's role and be just as effective. Now, you lose a lot when you have a guy that's shooting 62% from distance. He's taking guys off the dribble. He's driving. He's playmaking. He's ball handling. You most definitely lose a lot. And Seth Curry, among players to take 50 or more shots, has a top 10 field goal percentage. And there's no other guard within that top 10. So Seth Curry is a huge, he's, he's a monumental piece to this offense. But if you look at what Philadelphia does, particularly with Joe and Ben, it's get Joe in space and let him work. The same with Ben. Get him downhill and let him work. So the floor spacing is a little negatively affected by the absence of Seth Curry. But at the same time, the Sixers maintain their offensive identity with him out of the ballgame. They still kept three shooters around the perimeter, one in the dunker spot, so there's enough space for Joe to go to work. Ben is still able to get downhill and kick it out to a Shake Milton or a Danny Green, so Ben is still able to be effective. So I don't think either of their effectiveness relies solely on Seth Curry, but he's a monumental piece in the offense that helps alleviate some of the pressure that's put on them to create on the offensive end. For sure. Now, Brock, you do have something to read for the audience. Um, yeah, now now you're putting the pressure on me. I don't have a Seth Curry here to alleviate any of it. Um, but I, I, I do want to interest you and our audience in this King Cobra. This little tool here is for shotgunning beer and, and a multitude of things, in fact. Uh, so if you want to increase your shotgunning time at parties, you got to check my boys out over at the King Cobra. It's a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole. In under a second, you could pull tabs with it if you can't get it with your nails. It's a vent puncher, and it fits on a keychain. So if you bring it on a keychain with your keys, you can use it as a little self-defense toy. Don't stab yourself, but if you stab other people, I hope you have a good lawyer. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra. That's the King Cobra, and Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount code on all products, Enter the code, trust the Cobra 10. All caps, one word. Pick up yours today. Oh my God. <laughs> I, 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 I will say this please do not have anybody with the King Cobra. We do not have the requisite law uh, help in place to handle that lawsuit. Should well, listen, I'm not going to get political, but with what I saw this past week at the Capitol in DC, stabbing someone with a King Cobra. I don't know how much trouble that I get you in because apparently you could get away with a lot. Brian Baker said, can Austin beat Brock in arm wrestling context contest? Austin is allowed to use both arms. I would probably lean towards Brock winning that contest, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, think mean, so. I think it might be closer. I think it might be closer. I look, look, you got these little, you got these little like, flimsy noodles and he's got those massive, like 50 caliber bullets there. Yeah. <laughs> it's all don't. for a show. It's all for the show. Yeah, exactly. A reminder: you can, uh, get, you know, provide us with some with some tips and donate to us. Um, my Venmo, A K R E L L, all lowercase. Rock, you want to drop your Venmo? I gotta make one first. I don't even have one. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even have one. Again, A K R E L L, all lowercase. Um, now getting to um, let's let's go to our buddy Nadir Aga. Should we strike while the iron is hot? I suppose. I don't know what we're striking at. I'm assuming it's some Ben Simmons slander, but I guess uh, we can do that dance. It's been a while since Nadir and I had had a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, will Seth be allowed to practice? I believe it's it's no. I, I, I believe – I read somewhere so – don't, don't quote me on this because I can't, can't remember where I read it, but it was something like he isn't allowed to 
exercise for a certain period of time. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know if that means independent of the team or with the team or whatever. Um, but I, I think, I, I suspect it's going to be probably a week up to two weeks before we, we hear from Steph Curry again. Um, and by that point, they might be, they might be seven and 15. So, <laughs> um, but Dakota Mathias has to play more than eight minutes. Definitely. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Um, Steely says, I can't wait to listen to those WI, to those tools on WIP in the morning, pop a blood vessel um, when uh, when Andy Reid wins back-to-back bowls. Um, I, I muted some people from WIP um, recently. I I can't do it anymore. It ain't, it ain't no mutant for me. I'm tunnel vision. I don't consume any of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm blind to it. Blind to WIP, blind to 97.5. Wait, so, I don't even engage. So wait, so you don't have them muted? You just don't even engage? I don't even engage. I picked my dad up the other day. I, I dropped him off at practice, uh, and I was using the car, so I picked him up. For what? Practice for what? Where's Mr. Oh, basketball, basketball practice. He's a coach. He's still coaching? Um, yeah. yeah, he's still coaching. Um, And I have one. I think it was John Marks and Ike Reese. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the car. I'm in the parking lot. I was mad as hell. I was just sitting there listening. Let me not call them goofballs. I was listening to these two talk about Ben Simmons, and there's just such a disconnect. It's like an alarming disconnect. Now, I completely understand holding Ben accountable, and you want to see more out of your max player and a former first overall pick, but the points that they were making were just ludicrous. Like Brandon Ingram is – a significantly better basketball player than Ben Simmons. Scoring, absolutely. Altogether, in terms of defense, creating, offense, maybe it's a little closer than people may think. But these guys are talking about redoing the draft, uh, prior draft evaluations, knowing Ben Simmons' ceiling, trading Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal, for Zach Levine, all the stuff that you talked about last year, Krell. They were just disrespecting Ben Simmons as much as they could. And then you've got guys calling in, talking about how the Sixers are a fluke and you shouldn't have fired Brett Brown. All these what? Crazy, all these crazy nonsense. And I never realized that there was this much of a disconnect between what I think and what I see and what these people on the radio talk about. And, and it wasn't even like it was clickbait. It, it wasn't like they were doing this to get a reaction. This was their general opinions on Ben and the Sixers. And, and it, it just – it was alarming to me. See – I think the danger of radio um, in this city is that you you pay guys to be on the airways and it qualifies their opinions, but some of them don't know the sport or they know only know one sport well enough to really give credible opinions on it. Like there are some guys that shouldn't be giving basketball opinions that are, um, <laughs> and there are some guys that are there giving football opinions that shouldn't. Um, you know, and it's it's. I mean, obviously, I've talked about all sports in general, but it's it's a disservice, and it's a it's an it's an embarrassment and a disrespect to the media game in general. I think um, now, obviously, radio is a different kind of media. You're there to incite reaction and get people all all you know yiked up and mad. Um, but I, I I stopped listening. I mean, I, I have friends at WIP who I who I love, I respect, but there are a lot of people there that. I, I can't take it anymore. Um, I'm a big um, I'm a big control what you see guy. So I don't I, I don't want to ruin my experience on Twitter or listening to the radio by giving energy to things that I don't think deserve it. So um, instead of muting or blocking or anything, I just don't consume it. Uh, but that's not to say they don't do a great job and they're not good people. That's just my preference. For sure. With Brian Ferguson's whispers, I would trade Ben for Bill. <laughs> see. I- this is the problem. No, 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 no. I, I would one million percent do that trade. I, I, as like here, here's the moral right. dilemma. Like I want to agree. I want right. to agree. You can't, you can't disagree with that. It's hard. To, <laughs> I want to agree. So Bradley Beal. Bradley, Bradley Beal is 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 hooping his butt off. He's arguably the best offensive player in the league right now. And you've got Steph Curry. You've got Joe. Ad's up there. But right now. Bradley Beal might be one of the coldest offensive players in the league, and and Washington just can't win despite his heroics. But the moral dilemma I have 
with Ben Simmons is that I don't think I have a bias towards him, but I think that potential and that desire, like I have a desire for Ben to be a top five player. That's normal. But I also see the potential for him to be a top five player. I think with his build, his physical traits, everything he does now, minus the offensive discrepancies, I think he has the making to be one. So that's why, and the contract control too, that's why I struggle in trades to part ways with a guy that, that has all of those above for someone like Brad Beal or for someone like James Harden. But at the same time, the devil on my shoulder is like, bro, he's given you 15 points a game or less. I don't think he scored more than 22 a game yet. And offensively, I love the way he's being utilized this year. He's, he's What's that? Ben. Ben. He's never averaged 22 a game. No, not even average. Scored. Like like total points scored this season. In the season? Yeah, I don't think he scored more than 20. I don't think he's – I don't think he's gotten 20 yet. Yeah, so he might have hit it once, but not more than 22 definitely. Um, I don't even know if he cracked 20. You might be right. But what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is the devil on my shoulder is like, bro, you've got a guy that's giving you less than 15 points per game. I love the way he's being utilized. Doc Rivers is getting him downhill. They're using two-man game to simplify the offense. He's being aggressive. He's getting to the rack. The problem is – it, what's it is fourth year, fifth year. The problem is you start to see all of these guys take huge offensive leaps from one to two. You can look at Luca, Trey. You can look at De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker. From one to two, they took huge offensive leaps. Just that rookie to sophomore season. Now you're seeing guys from Ben's draft class, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray. They're carrying these huge offensive loads. It's not only the touches. It's the points they're scoring, how the teams are relying on them. If you look at New Orleans, ask them who they think their best player is, and, and, and they're not going to tell you it's Zion. They're going to say it's B-Dot. So I, I have this moral dilemma in A-Ram. You, you make a perfect point here. Why are Sixers fans so ungrateful? You've got the best record in the NBA. This is what I tried to say during the entire James Harden saga. Sixers fans thought they weren't going to get James Harden, so they look for the next best thing. They look for Bradley Beal. They look for Zach Levine. I've said, just just appreciate what you have. You got to love yours. There's going to be a better player. There's going to be a better fit. Someone's going to have a better car. Ultimately, you got to love yours. So as a Sixers fan, you can't try to play my GM every time something doesn't go your way. You can't just look at Tyrese Maxey having a 39-point game when there were seven players on the floor and four of them should be in the G League and say, we got to trade Ben Simmons now for the next best offensive option because Maxey gave us 39. Maxey had a fantastic game. Top five in scoring among rookies, great field goal percentage, super high ceiling. That's not enough for me to want to trade Ben Simmons. So there's just this moral dilemma I have. Where it's like you gotta be, you gotta be appreciative of what you have. You've been supporting Ben this long; he's almost there. He's gonna get it. Don't give up on him yet. And then there's the devil on my shoulder. That's like Joel Embiid is a top five MVP candidate right now. You pair him with a Bradley Beal or a James Harden. What do you think's gonna happen? But at the end of the day, Austin, I've been saying this since before the season. Ben Simmons is not getting traded this year. I don't care what source you have. I don't care what agent tells you what. Ben Simmons is not getting traded this season. I, I can guarantee it. Daryl Morey. Did Daryl tell you that himself? Yeah, I'm, I'm using context clues from Daryl. Um, okay. Daryl Morey has publicly gone on record and praised Ben Simmons and committed to Ben Simmons multiple times. And yeah, he's, he's, he's said things like that in the past about Chris Paul, but Chris Paul wasn't on a team. Uh, I wouldn't say team friendly because it's a max. He wasn't under contractual control for the next three seasons at 24 years old, averaging almost a triple double. So I think Daryl Moore is not telling any lies when he says he's committed to Ben. And then Austin, we had this argument, not even an argument, I guess this conversation a few podcasts ago about Doc Rivers. And you, you said, do you really think Doc Rivers doesn't care that Ben's not going to shoot? Do you really think? And I said, no, I don't think he cares. I don't think he's bluffing about that. 
I, I'm, day, start, I'm starting to believe it as well. To this day, I maintain, I don't think Doc cares if he shoots or not. I think Doc knows what he has in front of him. And I think Doc appreciates Ben's game. And because of that, they're both committed to Ben. They, they don't care if he's not going to shoot. They they really don't. They, they see the offensive creation, the gravity he has driving, the defensive attention he warrants, the playmaking, creating shots for others, passing. And they see what he gives you defensively. So if you as a fan don't think that Ben was worth the first overall pick because he should be drafted at, at first overall to give you 30 a game and not defense, whatever. I don't care. But if you don't care about the defensive end, then to me, I don't care about your opinion because there's two ends on the basketball floor, offense and defense. You got to play both ends. And, 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 and I can confidently say – that Ben is a top five most versatile defender in the NBA. He's a top 10 altogether defender in the NBA, and he's one of the best offensive creators for his teammates in the NBA. The 13, 15 points per game, I despise it. I wish Ben would score more. I wish he could get to the line more. But ultimately, he is who he is. You can't force him to be something he's not. So to have these expectations, he's going to pour out 25 a night where do you think he's getting 25 a night from? If he's not going to shoot, where's he giving you 25 a night from? So you just have to grow custom to his game, appreciate what he gives you, and that's it. If you want to trade him every time the Sixers have a bad game, then so be it. But you're going to be miserable because it's not going to happen this year. Yeah, wow. <laughs> a, lot, a lot going on there. Um, I think I – I agree that people have begun to devalue the, the what Ben does give you. Um, having said that, I understand why the fans play GM because you, this team, I think, can be special. I think they do have championship potential. Um, and I, I, and I, I think that Ben is one of the pieces that, as good as he is on one end of the court, is, you know, in some ways holding them back on the offensive end. And so I think if you really want to capitalize on this sort of open Eastern conference where like the heat are underperforming Celtics are, are there. Um, They're really good. The bucks are underperforming. Um, if you want to capitalize on this opportunity, you have to consider the field. And, and I, and I do think that there are some players there that I would make the Ben Simmons trade for. Um, but let's go over to Cam LaBarge. Who's now watching the team play so far, but trading for Harden still be a move to consider. Well, I think under the, I, I, I think it's that um, Harden's a walking playoff berth by himself. And this would be the best coach he's ever had. This would be the best uh, roster he's ever had around him. Um, and, you know, I think it would be good uh, for James Harden to, to be here. Now, he's going to go to the clubs. This team is currently in the middle of a COVID situation. Is it going to strike in the middle of a playoff series where you have to quarantine half the team? That's a that's a, a very legitimate concern. Um, another thing is like, is it really worth jeopardizing chemistry for the guy? I mean, we're the the assumption being made by many people is that if you get him here this year, you're going to win a championship. And I I, I don't see how anyone can operate under that assumption when at any moment a, t- a positive test could derail all of that. Um, so I would say. If the asking price gets whittled down to just Ben Simmons, or if it's, you know, something but, like. But, let me interrupt you, right? Everybody, like, this is census. James Harden is a top five ball player in the NBA, right? Why would Houston trade a top five player in the NBA for a guy that sucks and doesn't shoot? That shouldn't have been drafted one overall. <laughs> so if Houston would make that trade, that just proves Ben Simmons' value. That's it right there. If you think that Houston would trade a top five player in the NBA for Ben Simmons as the centerpiece of a trade, that's all. That's it. It ends right there. That indicates what Ben Simmons' value is. So I love Harden, man. I, I love Harden to death. And he's one of the funnest hoopers in the league. But right now, you've got a team that's playing well together. And for the past two years, three years, everybody said Ben and Joe won't work. They don't work together. 
You finally see what they look like when they work together on the floor, and now you want to trade Ben. Better yet for James Harden. Well, if Ben sucked and he can't shoot and he won't shoot, then why would Houston trade James for Harden or, or James for Ben if Ben wasn't shit? That just that that proves your point right there. Or not your point individually, but yeah. Um, Rohan Potla says Sixers have been versing some trash teams. Uh, they have, they have, and there's no denying that. They've also played the teams that are in front of them, and they've won seven of their first ten games. Um, so I mean, you you play the team that's in front of you. It it's it applies across all sports. Um, you take care of business, and people are always going to talk. Uh, it's it's how it works. Uh, Rohan also says, should Maxi be getting more game time? Um, probably. Um, I think he's. Probably their 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 best ball handler <laughs> um, on a play to play basis. And I think he's probably their best shot creator. But I also don't know that you <laughs> don't give me that look. It's true. Come on, man. Sure. Seth, Curry, Seth Curry is a better shot creator than Reese. Brock. Never mind. You know we're not doing this tonight. No, we're not doing this. Come um, on. <laughs> what do you mean? He's. He 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 he's a better shot creator than Seth Curry. I'm sorry. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. He is. He is. He is. Brock. He can dribble and he can shoot. So and can Seth. Yeah, but it's like a very like limited range of motion for that for that playmaking. Like I think I think Maxi can do a lot more on the playmaking end. Brock really shoots floaters and layups. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think it's about trust. And I thought yesterday on the defensive end of the court, like early in the game, he was just getting crushed by uh, Jamal Murray on the back doors and on those back screens of like the Jokic quarterback and the play from the post. And they go back door with Murray and he gets his open layups. And I also think that a lot of times when Max, you allowed Murray to get to his spots. And I think there are certain, there are are definitely situations where you can trust him with more minutes. But I think when it comes down to it, like he can't credit, he can't credibly defend starting level NBA guards yet. And that's a, that's an issue that's going to come up throughout the course of his rookie season. Um, Rohan says, this is dumb. You guys don't even answer my question. Mm-hmm. I think I answered the question, Rohan. Um, now let's take a quick break. Talk about our new sponsor, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. I know I see all these screenshots all over Twitter like for like FanDuel, like, oh, this parlay, oh, this prop, oh, this, um, you know, th- this, this, and that. Um, I, you know, th- listen, Thrive Fantasy, you have an opportunity to do something incredible. With Thrive Fantasy Sports, um, you, you basically don't have to do countless hours of research because um, they only ask you about the best athletes in the game, right? So if it's NFL, you choose 10 out of the 20-player prop options to build your lineup. If it's NBA, MLB, PGA, or eSports, um, choose five out of, the, out of the top 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under uh, based on its likelihood of occurrence. The more points... A selection is worth the riskier it is, and then you rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Again, you're going to want to sign up for this opportunity. It's an incredible opportunity, my friends at Thrive Fantasy Sports. Um, your promo code Simmons four three. That's not that's not like the number four. It's it's the word four F O R Simmons four number three Simmons for three. Nine K sensitive. Sign up for that and get yourself some money. Make some make some money. Compliments of your boys at the, the feed to Embiid. Um, now, Brock, let's get let's let's get away from the gambling. <laughs> let's let's go over to Bryant Baker, who asked, who says, "Here's the thing. I think we can appreciate Ben's game for what it is, but it's also impossible to divorce his game from a his draft position and b his contract. That's where the frustration comes from. Fair or not, paying a max player to, to a 13 points per game scorer." Hurts, that's not dismissing his impact elsewhere. Okay, but that's 13 points per game over the course of like an eight-game sample. Another thing is I agree with A, you, you can't divorce it from his draft position, but B, his contract, if you don't pay Ben, if you don't pay ben the max contract at I think 22, 23 years old, 
another team will. And then everybody hates the organization and everybody hates management for not paying Ben that contract. Again, Ben is younger than 25 years old. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not LeBron. He's not Jordan. But it took all of them six-plus seasons in the NBA to win their first final. To have these finals expectations for Ben Simmons or, or, or for these expectations for him to deliver that at this young of an age, I think it's a little unfair. And um, you, you could say that the, the max contract puts those expectations on him. But my counter would be if the Sixers don't give him that max, somebody else would. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Now, Bryant says Houston would trade Harden for Ben because they're not winning a chip with Harden and that Rockets team. Um, might as well roll the dice on the younger Ben. Doesn't mean it's not the right move for Philly, who was closer to a chip. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Brock's perspective is a sensible one. Um, but I also think that this is a sensible one as well. Um, and I also think that there's a factor here that people don't consider with like the clutch sports part of it is Houston appealing to clutch sports. Cause keep in mind, um, you know, I, I think a lot of the boomer generation would say, well, fuck clutch sports. Who cares? You know, that this isn't up to them. Um, they're one of the most powerful agency conglomerates in this league. Um, if, if you, if you don't deliver what they want for their clients, they can, they can affect your future with, 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 can, with sort of, guiding who signs with your team. So clutch is a very big impact in this very big factor in all of this as well. If, um, if, 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 if Ben doesn't want to go to Phoenix for, for Devin Booker, if that trade were to become available, he's not going to Phoenix for Devin Booker. Um, Daniel Rosenthal says, if you had to trade Ben, who's the ideal replacement? Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> um, for me, it's Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, um, well, no, this is in order. I'll give it to you in order. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, James Harden. <laughs> None of them play defense. <laughs> and then Zach Levine. Those are, those None of them play defense. Those are my top four. Um, no, um, I, I mean, if you have to make a list, it, it would probably have those four atop the list just because you'd want a guy that could create off the dribble that has their own shot when there's three seconds left. Who are you giving the ball to? You give them to all four of those guys, and offensively, some of the deep, be- deepest bags in the league, perfect compliments to Joe. Um, but I-, I also think that Ben's defense is immensely valuable to the Sixers. They don't achieve one of the best defensive ratings in the league, top five in steals and blocks, without Ben and throwing Ben on opposing teams number one. So at that point, it's trading defense for offense. I, I looked at this question a few minutes ago, and I've tried to come up with a player that would be the perfect placement that plays offense and defense on both ends. Um, but I, I really can't make my mind up right now. I saw wrong comment to Jason Tatum. It's funny because I was thinking that I was thinking Jason Tatum might be that guy. Um, but again, I, I really can't make my mind up on the ideal replacement. It would be somebody that could defend and create off the dribble. That, that's really it. I don't think Boston's giving up Jason Tatum for me. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. That's just if if hypothetically you had to replace Ben with somebody, Jason Tatum was one of the first guys I thought of. Rohan says Dame Lillard. I um I would say what about the, I would definitely do Damian Lillard. I love Dame. I think Dame's is a absolute beast, and I love how loyal he is too. I think he's I think he's a really good dude. Unbelievable player. I would. I don't care how old he is. I would do that trade. Um, Brock, I see you're kind of like biting your tongue on this. One. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because my friends and I we we had an argument about Curry and Dame yesterday, and we we're talking about like the impact of the point guard and who's got better range and things like that. So I was just thinking about that. But um, realistically, like there's probably a list of seven or eight guys that that you would trade Ben for, and Dame is Dame is definitely on that list for sure. Um, Rohan says, start Danny Green or Tyrese Maxey. I think there's probably going to be a point in the season where they're half or they're they're kind of forced to make that decision. But I think right now, the spacing that Danny Green gives you is still huge for that starting lineup. It's, it's kind of like an upgraded mimic, or even like a it's it's a it's a it's a similar mimic to the 2017 18 team, and that that lineup was just bonkers. They 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 crushed teams. Um, 
Cam says, I'm really start, starting to be even more surprised that Maxi fell to uh, 21. He has been great so far and a great addition to this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he was – I think that was like the first time that that this management has, has really made a great, great, great draft night decision. Um, and I, I think he has star potential. There, there are like three names that I – Brock, you're muted. Um, that 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 I think of when I think of like comps for Maxi. One's like ceiling, like best possible case scenario is Bradley Beal. Um, I do see some of that there. They're similar size, um, really good in the lane, uh, dynamic finishers, really good shot creators. Um, you know that that kind of thing. Other one would be Jamal Murray, which kind of feels like it's a, probably a, a realistic goal for him. Another one would be like Dennis Schroeder. So those are those are the kind of the three that I'm at right now. Um, Brock, what are you what what are, what are your comps for Maxi? Yeah, my comp is De'Aaron Fox. I made a uh, comp. You love Swipe You love Swipe of the Fox. Yeah, that that video I made was was eye opening to say the least in putting Maxi's highlights next to Fox's because they looked almost identical. It's almost like they had the same coaches in high school or prior to college when in reality they came from two completely different states. Uh, De'Aaron and Tyrese, they both have that zero to 100 acceleration. They're really good at attacking off the dribble. They have a really good quick first step. And anything within the lane, it's crafty. The layups, the, the, the floaters, it's all crafty. They've got those acrobatic finishes. So offensively, their numbers matched up in college and in the NBA. I think once Maxi gets some more minutes, He's really going to start to mold into that kind of role, uh, similar to De'Aaron Fox's. For sure. Um, let's see here. Gabriel says, I'm loving your analysis for each, ma- each match, man. They are amazing. I don't know if this refers to our podcast or to Brock specifically or to our pre- and post-game shows, but we appreciate any mm-hmm. support we can get. Um, again, you can find us – you can find me on Venmo at a Krell on all lowercase <laughs> letters. I will make sure to sp- split the profits. Brock um, Rohan says we could have got Jason Tatum, but of course we got Markel Fultz. People what think happened? that here's my thing. What happened? I think like people think of like these trades as like two K trades where you it's like it's like okay we will give you this and this and this for that, and it's like all cut and dry as simple as that. A lot of these trades, there's a lot of like verbal agreements as well. And I think one of those situations would be like Boston doesn't make that trade unless Philly's like, we will take Markel Fultz. We will definitely do it. Um, and I think that was a situation where they, they were in verbal agreement that it would be Markel Fultz at one, Tatum at three, and that's that. Um, and I mean, because they, they even took Markel after, after the workout. That, that he had the stinker workout that he had in Philly. Um, David Lopez says, I just think trading guys at this point is just stupid. We have plenty of spacing on offense and a damn good defense. Uh, it was a damn good defense. They've had a couple had, they've had a couple worrisome games. Um, the, 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 the Beal 60 pointer was a problem, but after the game in the press conference, doc said that they were using Ben as a roamer. So, I mean, people were, like, bitching about how, like, Ben needs to be on, on Beal. What is this? And myself included, that was that was one of the things that I said in my game story. But they, it, it really the, – the, the point that he made was that um, we were more than happy to sacrifice defense for offense in the first night of a back-to-back. And they were just trying to get Ben in the open court, get him going downhill and pressuring the rim. And that was creating open looks. I mean, they hit a shit ton of threes. They scored 100 – 31 points. So, I mean, I think the game plan worked for a lot of, uh, for a lot of their intents and purposes, obviously Beal gets a 60 burger, but you know, they, they, the six won the game. Um, Rohan says, buddy healed. <laughs> buddy, buddy. Healed. Everyone at some, at some point, people are going to appreciate what's on this squad. They got, listen, they got a trade for Drew holiday. Got a trade for, uh, Jack Levine. Zach Levine, you got a trade for um, Giannis. Got a trade for Bio. If you can get Kevin Durant, that'd be great as well. Kevin um, Love too from yeah, Kevin Love, yeah. Um, gotta get everybody. 
it's gonna it's like you kind of photoshop a sixers jersey on literally every player in the nba mm-hmm. like the heat fans do Go play 2K. Go play my GM. You can yeah. treat for any of these guys. Real life, it doesn't really work like that. Treat, make sure you turn off the trade rejection button, too. Mm-hmm. I do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rohan says, um, I feel like Isaiah Joe kind of plays like KD. What do you What do you guys think? Brock, you want that one? I don't really want that one. I don't want to touch that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to act like I didn't see that. No dis, No disrespect. I just want to act like I didn't see that. He maybe he plays like KD when KD was like 16. Um, see, everyone loves saying that about Mario Shayok. Shayok wore 35 and was a Delaware blue coat. And I never got that. I never got that. Yeah, I never got that baby yeah. KD and and Shayok is is unemployed by the Sixers right now. I believe. I never, I never ever once got that comparison through Mario. Um, I think people like saying that bigger guys that that. Are a little slim and pull, or always like Katie, but you have to remember, Katie is the Slim Reaper. Uh, he's one of the greatest offensive players in the history of basketball. There is nobody like Katie. He's one of a kind. Um, so to compare Isaiah Joe to Katie, even in play style, in Isaiah Joe's first real NBA game, I'm gonna leave that one alone. The that guy scored like 11 points, and someone's already compared him to Kevin Durant. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Bri- Ryan Field says, "What's up, Ryan? Good to hear from you. Y'all talking like Heat fans now. We were we were mocking them. In all fairness, uh, I I try to remove myself from fandom. Brock does a good job of it as well. It's not people above pe- the people in the comments were certainly trying to find a way to acquire every player in the NBA. Which good luck with that. Um, if Tobias keeps up these performances." Would you still trade him for someone like Levine? <laughs> oh, bro. Uh, we don't even have the second half of the schedule yet for the NBA. <laughs> okay, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know when the Sixers are going to get rid of COVID. Let alone how they're going to get Zach Levine. Listen, I don't know if if it's. If it's I think. Media. I think Tobias Harris could average twenty eight points per game, and they would still say no. They would still say we don't want that contract to buy. I mean, if Tobias is averaging 28 points a game on hopefully 50, 90, 80 shooting at least, why would you have to trade him? Wait, 50, 90, 80? What did I say? 50, not? I meant 50, 40, 80. 50, 40, 80. If he's shooting 90, 90%, what's that? If he's shooting 90% from three, I don't think you have to trade him for much. <laughs> no, nah, you give him another max at that point. You waste all the money in the world on him. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think I don't think it's a viable trade scenario. I don't think anyone wants Tobias Harris's contract. Um, he's a good player. He's had a really, really good start to the year. I just think objectively speaking, I can't say that anyone wants that contract and also to give up a star in that trade as well. Uh Jamont, Jamonte, I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Uh, do you think the game tomorrow will be postponed? I don't. Um, uh, to, the, to this point, I do not. I I think players, Sixers players included, are speaking with their representatives as to how to um, kind of maneuver and get around playing these games. And I think injuries are, or you know, these these phantom injuries are, are maybe a, a a methodology of that. But I don't think they're going to get a plan in the game tomorrow. At least, at least right now, um, you know we we've received all of our resources for tomorrow's game via email. So I think it, as of now, everything is all systems go, and they're going to try to pull it. Um, now, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Embiid because he's available. But he demonstrated on Twitter that he was not happy with the with the decisions made with the decisions that that uh, that were come to today. Um, but we'll see. Uh, last one, Roshan Barrett. If Toby an All Star were winning a chip, I hope so. I hope. I hope if Toby is an All Star, it, it it should it should go that way. And a reminder: I didn't realize this, but I actually learned tonight that there will be an All Star selection, I believe, but not like an actual All Star weekend. So there's the honor, and there's a clout, but there's not the actual like now go have fun and have like a, a bar mitzvah. Yeah. That's such a shame. Yeah. Uh, Brock, where can they find you? On Twitter right here, Landis Brock. On YouTube, 
It's that backwards, Brock Landis, and also on the Pain Lines YouTube channel. Uh, after almost every Sixers game, the ones where Dakota Mathias respectfully doesn't play over 10 minutes, I break down um, post-game breakdowns and analysis. There's visuals, there's graphics, there's stats. There's face-to-face -face conversation with me. So we've got a little bit of everything after every Sixers game. And I also post some stories on YouTube. I've got uh, Tobias Harris under Doc. Mikael Bridges is having a great year. Lonzo Ball. Uh, and I've got one coming up about Allen Iverson. Arguably the Sixers GOAT uh, should be out this week, and it's going to be a fun one. So uh, make sure to stay tuned, and I appreciate the support from everybody. Find me on Twitter at NBA Krill. You can also find me on Venmo if you ever want to throw a tip my way or Brock's way or whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, you can find us there at A Krill, all, all lowercase. Um, if you want to look me up on Twitter at NBA Krill, I do cover the Sixers on the beat. I'm at all the press conferences. I write all the game stories. I also do a weekly column for Last Out Media of my, of my observations from around the league. I watch. At least one. I try to watch one game every day, and then pull an observation from that. So that's my column for that's due to uh, you know next couple hours or so. so we'll get that underway. Um, but uh, yeah, as always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time on another episode of the Feed to Embiid. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Have a good weekend. And um, stay solid. Stay solid. That's right. Stay solid, everybody. Good night. <laughs>